Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, you ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like who let the dogs out? Who? Who? Off the hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Making the world mad. That's Caleb Calhoun and me, Dave Hooker. As it's it's kind of funny. You can say some things in media and you don't really realize what's going to ruffle people's feathers, pun intended. But we did so with South Carolina. And so suddenly Caleb and I are just mad upset still can't get over that tennessee loss and ripping south carolina uh, because they don't have adequate facilities so uh, it's it's neat that on youtube and i love the format and uh, please hit that thumbs up button like and subscribe if you haven't already but i do love the fact that you can get some pretty immediate reactions so caleb apparently um i'm a big homer and you are still salty over the uh, South Carolina loss, which is really funny to me because I, the, the reason I love working with Caleb is he's about as straight down the middle as there are. Um, and I think if anybody Googled me, they'd find out that there are probably more balls that hate me than like me. So um, it's really maybe other programs do that that have a, a W and an L and talk, but um there may be other shows that do that, but that's not here. And we've made people mad during football season. We've told them that we didn't think such and such was going to happen. I sure as heck didn't pick Tennessee to beat Alabama. 
Um, but uh, yeah, Caleb, you're you are officially still hurt over the South Carolina loss. If you want to go by YouTube posters, well, I am guilty as charged. I would like to issue a public apology to all South Carolina fans. Um, I am just so upset. And I want you guys to not take oh, – oh, shut up, South Carolina fans. Are you kidding? I just got to bring this up for a minute. I just pulled this up on YouTube since we since they're accusing us of being homers. Dave, you and I are in this – we like what we do. We like what we talk about. It. We're objective. We're trying to grow an audience. One of our biggest hits last year, our biggest one that was monetized on YouTube, I just pulled it up on YouTube, was the Jeremy Banks-Hendon Hooker drama that came as a result of the South Carolina loss. So our site, what we're doing, benefited from Tennessee losing to South Carolina more than anything. And we're not – yeah. And I was called an idiot, an idiot repeatedly on, on that post. So the, the, the thing I love about working with Caleb is it's straight down the middle. Now, if somebody from Ohio or Michigan asks me, are you such and such a fan, I, I always say an SEC fan, and I am. Um, I realize that there are times in bowl games or college football playoffs where it might benefit Tennessee if Georgia lost. I mean, you could make that argument. But, yeah, I'm I'm a raw, raw SEC guy. I am. And and the reason is, is because I think it is absolutely the best. I mean, it's not because I was born in the South. And if you look at history, it's not really hard to figure that out, Caleb. The SEC has been the best. See, the funny thing is, I agree. The SEC's by far, if you look at the NFL talent, recent national champions, everything, the SEC is so clearly the dominant conference. I'm not a raw, raw SEC guy on that front. And I want people to understand this, particularly if some Big Ten fans are listening. ESPN is not a raw, raw SEC network either. The national networks are not all biased to the SEC to put these teams in. It's not good for them. And it's not good for the sport, for the sport to be incessantly regional. They would, you don't think they'd prefer a Washington play for the national title you don't think they prefer a Syracuse in the northeast you don't think they would love for the New York market to have a good college football team of course they would it's not they're not sitting here trying to rig things in favor of just the southern market they wouldn't try to rig it in favor of the big 10 market or any specific market that's not good for the sport that's not good for the networks they want it to be more national the SEC is not dominating because they're just because networks and voters are just biased through that league we're not biased to Tennessee it doesn't help us to be biased to Tennessee. It doesn't help networks to be biased to the SEC. That doesn't happen, guys. You got it. You're seeing things through your color glasses, if you think that the color of your school or your conference. We're not seeing it through the color of our school or our conference. Yes, it started too way back with Oklahoma when we talked about the possibility that Josh Heupel could ever go back there, and I guess that was in August. So we got a bunch of Oklahoma responses. So. That, that's that's where we are. I just found the comments. Uh, and if, if you haven't had a chance to peruse them for funsies, uh, we, we do so because it's interesting, especially if guys like Travis and Smoky Mountain Red and the regular listeners, especially if, uh, given that you know us, it's just kind of like, uh, hey, you, know, you guys are just a bunch of homer losers. So fine. Uh, I'm going to be a homer loser today. I'm going to tell you what SEC schools cannot win a championship, even if Nick Saban, Paul Bear Bryant, uh, Urban Meyer and his prime. Who's the best coaches of all time? You're better on history than me. If they walked into the door tomorrow, these SEC schools that I'm going to list off for you cannot win a national title because of their facilities and or recruiting 
uh, area that they happen to be stationed in. So that's that's what I want to start with. We've got a monster show uh, today. Brandon Marcello will join us from a 247 Sports. He's their college football national writer, and he's fantastic. So also a complete wrap-up of Tennessee's Junior Day. That's going to come via Caleb Jaru later in the program. It's a big, big weekend, and we're looking forward to uh, his report because Tennessee will have several, several visitors on campus. And, you know, January and June – are the the big uh, recruiting months nowadays. You know, January was before, but it was typically for wrapping up that year's prospects. Now it's for the following year, and then you see June with all the camps. So hit that like button. It helps us spread the word. We appreciate all those that have subscribed recently, and uh, you are appreciated, no question about it. Right off the top, I want to tell you about Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. AndyMasonRealEstate.com is a great place. Actually, the only choice, in my opinion, if you want to save thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, they are going to take care of you over 40 years of experience right there in Knoxville, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Reach out to Andy and know that you'll get the best service and the best prices. So start to fill in the message board because... Uh, today's tough question, which I'd like to uh, somehow shape into a poll, is going to be what SEC schools can you just simply not win a national title at no matter what happens, be it lack of financial support, which really is what results in average facilities and or recruiting base. So already on the board, we have Kentucky and Arkansas. So Kentucky and Arkansas uh, are two programs that, well, Kentucky values basketball every bit as much as football. Arkansas values basketball almost as much as football. Those two programs, if the greatest coach in the history of man stepped in and became the head coach of the Razorbacks or Wildcats, could either one of those two teams given what they have and their tradition or lack thereof win a national title? My answer would be no. Yeah, with those two specifically, I'm a pretty big no also. I can't speak for Arkansas or Kentucky. Um, I can speak on their recruiting grounds. Um, I can't speak for their facilities. Um, Dave, you might know more than I. You would know more than me on that. I would say if you compare them, Arkansas has a better chance because they could go into Texas with the right coach and maybe get some talent from there because, as we know, Fayetteville, I mean, until Oklahoma and uh, Texas joined the SEC, Arkansas seems so much like not an SEC school because it's so far west. It's basically Texas. And so I would give Arkansas a bit of a chance. I, I, I don't see any way possible Kentucky could. But, by the way, Kentucky fans are claiming a national championship right now. They claim they won one. They claim 1950. Look it up. Even though they lost to Tennessee that year. That's true. <laughs> um, I will say Arkansas, no. And – I, I want to mention the 98 team that Arkansas had. And that 98 team was going to uh, play for a national title had they beaten Tennessee, but they weren't able to do that because of a fumble by Clint Sterner in Neyland Stadium. And that changed basically everything. So um, I, I don't think that Arkansas could win it moving forward because the two programs that are entering the SEC in uh, Texas and Oklahoma have taken away your best sales pitch at Arkansas. So your best sales pitch at Arkansas was, hey, 
you're in Texas and this league that's falling apart, come play in the SEC. Well, they've lost that angle. So they can't go into Texas and Oklahoma, mostly Texas, and pull those kids. So uh, I'm going to include Arkansas in there as well, and I'll include uh, Kentucky. Listen, Tennessee is not the most recruiting uh, fertile ground in the nation by far, and Caleb, we've discussed that before. But it is close to Atlanta. It's close to a growing uh, area in Nashville, and they have a brand – of football that supersedes Kentucky and most many of the programs in the SEC. Kentucky doesn't have that. The recruiting Brown just it's 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 probably that or West Virginia are probably the two worst states in recruiting that I've covered on a personal level. So I don't think Kentucky, no matter who walked in the door, and as a matter of fact, Paul Bear Bryant did walk in the door and they they were not a national power then, and they lost him to Alabama. That's the well, other. They thing. were a national power. They just didn't, and they claim a national champion, but it wasn't an AP national championship, so it's not a real one. Right. So they, you know, they. <clears throat> when I think national power, I think creating that tradition for years. And the bottom line is, it, it's it's in the mindset of Kentucky fans to be better at basketball. That's more important, and that's part of the reason that Paul Bear Bryant left. So we're, we're going way back there, but. Uh, Travis, uh, all so Travis says Kentucky and Arkansas. Uh, we have Smoky Mountain Red said, I have no idea what attracts a recruit to live in Columbia, South Carolina. Horrible town. Uh, now you don't, you don't really like that town either. Um, I hate the area around the stadium. I can't speak for the whole town, but I hate the area around the stadium. It's the dullest, most boring end of the world place. Like in a train yard. I mean, like literally trains are running cool. past it. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I can get that. And yeah, I, don't, I, I think that's all a factor when it comes to recruiting. And I know they've gone, they've undergone some upgrades and Steve Spurrier really helped because they're, man, their facilities were way, way, way behind. And now uh, they're, they've gotten significantly better. So let's be clear. Nobody other than Vanderbilt in the SEC has horrible facilities but i'm talking about the difference of you show up and you're a player for lunch and you can choose between filet shrimp and salmon as opposed to a hamburger i'm talking about places that have a 120 yard indoor facility and have had those for 20 years and have other facilities that have state-of-the-art type of therapeutic and recovery um, departments that will help you bounce back from injuries. That's what I'm talking about. So we're talking about the elite of the elite. So let's move forward and in programs that certainly could not win. So obviously Vanderbilt's on there. I, I don't even think we need to spend time discussing that. Um, but other programs that simply could not win in the SEC. And let's include what's going to be the SEC. That would be, of course, Texas and Oklahoma. I think you and I would both agree they could they could win a national title. No, yeah, I, okay. go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say I agree. Um, and I want to say up front to all of these programs, any program could get to a point to where they could win a national title. But we're talking about right now, given what they are, a coach, no coach could win it because of, like you said, other extenuating factors. We bring up South Carolina. If South Carolina did upgrade their facilities, did upgrade their recruiting budget, did somehow find a way to get ahead, get ahead of the curve the way Clemson did then we might be having a different story. But you're right, right now, they're not there. So no coach 
in the world could probably win a title in South Carolina. Well, and not not really to quibble in details, but I would take that a step further. I don't care what happens in South Carolina. They're not winning a national title. I mean, if you have Steve Spurrier show up and they increase the recruiting budget and they improve the facilities and they still couldn't win the SEC East, you're talking about one of the greatest coaches of all time, and they couldn't even win the SEC East. So I'll just go ahead and say it. South Carolina is never going to be able to win a national title, no matter who shows up. I guess things could change. I mean, I, I don't know what those things would be. Maybe – a global warming causes it to be an oceanfront town and prospects love it. I mean, we could go really obscure, but as far as any time in my lifetime, it's just not going to happen. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to just rule out programs flippantly by the same token, because in the eighties, Florida was awful. And I think you and I would agree that they could win a national title. They have uh, LSU in the nineties was horrible. It's a train wreck, poor administration. They can win the national title, no question about it. So I don't want to be flippant short term, but I, I think that South Carolina is just one of those that's on the outs looking in. And um, Arthur saying, I, I think Arkansas is very is a very good football team. I'm not sure about agreeing with Dave or Caleb about not being able to win a national championship. Kentucky is in a different uh, story. I'm in a big disappointment. Uh, Tennessee losing to South Carolina again. This is not about one game. Okay, so I want to be real clear. Caleb and I are not harping over the South Carolina game last year, nor is South Carolina an equal program because they won one game. Okay, Missouri. No, Missouri, I, I say absolutely can't. I'm going to be honest. I um, So it's funny because we talk about Homer media, you know, and I don't – Dave and I are not Homers at all. We try to be as objective as possible. I feel like Missouri media is anti-Homer media, if that makes sense. They go out of their way. Do you ever read local uh, reporting in Missouri? They go Because they're such a journalism school, they go out of their way to bash their football team as much as possible to take the stance of, we're journalists and we hold them to account because we're Columbia. And I think there's some of that. I think there's some of that, uh, to be real honest with you, at Florida because it has a good journalism school. Yeah. Not- uh, more more of a broadcasting school, I would say. And I think there's some of that at, at in Knoxville at Tennessee because it's a bigger city. You're up around the top 50 market. So I think there's more competition to get stuff out there. Now, you still have plenty of homers in Tennessee. Don't get me wrong. You just check recruiting rankings for that. Um, but as far as other schools, let me throw some at you that, that I think we, we may uh, disagree on. And I'm, I'm curious. And, and Smoky Mountain Red saying that Mizzou claims one or two championships. I, I understand. But that's when there were 15,000 polls. There's something called the Dunkle Poll that Tennessee claims. We're, we're talking about real championships. We're talking about right now and going forward, not like where, where programs were in the past. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, and then I want to throw two at you that we might disagree on. Ole Miss and Mississippi State. No, I agree with you fully on both. Um, I agree with you fully on both. Um, I think there's a great his- there's a great story. Apparently, there was a debate. Ole Miss and Mississippi State were supposed to be one school in the late 1800s. If they were stayed one school, they would have been a national power because Mississippi's a re- relative to population is actually a pretty good recruiting ground. But when you got two schools fighting, no, not happening. And I also I want to bring this up. Ole Miss was a powerhouse right up until, and I mean right before the SEC integrated. And Ole Miss, 
I mean, you guys can feel what you want about Colonel Reb and Southwell Rise again and all of that. That didn't sit well with a lot of national recruits after the SEC was integrating. I don't care how you feel about it as a fan. You got to think about how recruits felt about it. And that oh, that's the program. Oh, that didn't sit well with a lot of recruits as, as late as the 2000s. You know, they were yeah. still debating whether or not to have the Rebel flag at games. So, I mean, I think that was a factor way during our lifetimes for sure. Um, oh, I agree. And that, that cra- it was a national power that wrecked the program. You guys cannot, you cannot convince me that did not wreck the program and make it impossible after integration for Ole Miss to ever become a national championship program again because of that. So is that, is that pretty much our list? Cause I don't see, you know, that maybe the closest uh, that some people would look at would, would possibly be uh, Auburn, but I, you know, they won a national title. They had a very special player. And I think that that's one they of should, the, they almost won another one too. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that Auburn has more funding sometimes than people believe. So I think that's kind of a perception that's out there, but I mean, that they, they, they can win a national title. They've proven it. So I, I would certainly, I guess that would be the closest moving forward that I could even think of, but strike that. I mean, they're de- definitely in the, the haves category, not the have nots. Uh, so that's where we are. Kentucky, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, we're, South Carolina, we're, right? Oh, in South Carolina. Yeah, goodness gracious. That's what started the conversation because those that thought that um, I was uh, Captain Homer, uh, which is fine. So South Carolina, I don't think can win a national title. So I think that's pretty much where we are as far as the haves and have-nots, the, the teams that can win a national title and those that can't. I don't think there's an awful lot of debate. I think it's a pretty bold line between those two different groups of teams. Yeah. Well, with them coming to the SEC, Longhorn fans would like to point out, and I'm going to speak for them for a minute, they would like to point out that I don't think Texas A&M has a national championship to their name. Despite all the talk about how Texas A&M is as a powerful program, Texas A&M has never actually hit the pinnacle. And we know we know Bear Bryant went to Texas A&M, didn't come close to a national title, won the Southwest a couple of times. Um, but... Um, I know they have the largest NIL collective, but I'm just saying, given the money A&M has, given the state it's in, I'll go with this far. Texas A&M is the most underachieving college football program in history. It's it's mind-boggling that they don't have at least three national championships to their name. Well, I'm going to sound like the old guy in the room. Um, I There was a time when they were so overshadowed by Texas, and this, this goes way back, um, that that was always a bugaboo. That was the fly in the ointment because they were so overshadowed by Texas. And then you would have Oklahoma coming into the state that would pull prospects that Texas didn't want. So I understand why they're, why they're not um, considered a year in year out national title contender aside from who may be the coach. We're not talking about current states in time. We're talking about over, over decades. I I get it, but you're right. There's too much money there that if you don't make some correct decisions, there's too much talent there that if you don't make some correct decisions, you shouldn't have three or four national titles. I mean, Tennessee has, uh, what do you officially count it as? Because I know Tennessee likes to say nine, uh, two, according to the AP. What do you officially count it as? I go with, I go with the official six, like the official claimed one. So I go 38, 39, 40. None of those were AP national titles, but, 
guys, they went undefeated, untied, and unscored on in the regular season of 39. How do you not call that a national championship caliber team? <laughs> and yep. so uh, I go 38, 39, 40, 50, 51, and 98. I don't go 67. A lot of them claim 1967. Tennessee went 9-2 and two that year, lost the opener to UCLA. They, they weren't the best. USC, I think, was the best team in college football that year. So Good stuff. Stay tuned. Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports. Love visiting with him. Portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. That's cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters in Knoxville for over 50 years, two minutes, and it will be Brandon Marcello. We'll get his thoughts. Are there some SEC programs that simply cannot win a national title ever, no matter what happens? Stay tuned. More after this. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't forget to hit that like button. Thumbs up. Greatly appreciate that. If you haven't subscribed, uh, certainly do that as well. Pretty big subscriber week. So thank you. We appreciate that. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Booker. Offthehooksports.com is a great place to go for uh, Tennessee coverage, and uh, we'll have a couple of stories by Jimmy Himes of WNML and his thoughts um, via Danny White on uh, some possible um, changes to the NIL, why they need guardrails after the Jaden Rashada incident, which was uh, still a little bit bizarre. I want to bring in a very special guest brought to you by Zool Beer Company, ZulBeer.com, XULBeer.com, if you're on our audio platforms. And I'm telling you, it's worldwide award-winning craft beer, and they have parking in downtown Knoxville, which is pretty difficult. Uh, Brandon Marcello joins us now with 247 Sports. I love his work, and I love his physique. You've kind of gone like me, trimmed up a little bit. I just uh, I got serious about it. You look good, man. Yeah, thanks. Went down about 145, 150 pounds, and now I'm trying to bulk up again, actually. I'm trying to gain muscle, so I've been in the weight room quite a bit. Yeah, me. I I didn't quite meet you there, but I was in the triple digits um, down. So I, I know what it awesome. feels like, and it ain't easy. Sakuda, it ain't easy. It's awesome, man. Yeah, it's great. So, um, Brandon does a great job. If you haven't followed his work at Twenty Four Seven Sports, I would highly suggest you do so. You can follow him on Twitter at B Marcello. So, Brandon, we were having the discussion. There are all kinds of things I want to talk to you about in college football, but we were having the discussions of kind of the haves and have-nots. And I got in hot water with some South Carolina fans yesterday because I just thought that that's, that's a program you can never win a national title. Steve Spurrier couldn't do it, uh, and he upgraded facilities, and he got people jazzed up for recruiting more than ever before. But um, there, I feel like there are some schools in the SEC that just can't win a, a national title no matter what. What do you think of that assumption from the get? Yeah, I think so in the current format. Now, having said that, I do wonder, you know, when we get to the 12-team playoff, like when when do we have our first like kind of Cinderella story in that 12-team field? I think we will at some point there. And so that does open the door potentially for a quote-unquote maybe mid-tier to right below mid-tier SEC team that has a great season getting to the playoff and then somehow making a magical run to the national championship game. And I equate that to what TCU did this past season where, you know, they had seven comeback victories. They don't win their Big 12 championship. They still get in the playoff, and then they just score points like crazy against Michigan, gets the national championship game, get blown out. But they made it. They made a Cinderella run. But it's it's very difficult for a program like a South Carolina, which – you know, a South Carolina or an Arkansas or um, an Ole Miss or even Mississippi State, obviously. Like, if you were to put together a roster that's got, like, a star player, superstar, like a quarterback. So, you know, 
I know I'm going everywhere here, but look, like look at Mississippi State when they had Dak Prescott and that year that they were number one in the college football playoff rankings for like five straight weeks. We were all sitting there going, they're not maybe really the number one team, but they deserve it. They're undefeated at this point. And sure enough, they kind of fell apart down the stretch. And that's because they didn't have the depth of superstar talent. They had a superstar quarterback, some really good talent up front on the defense, but they didn't have the depth to withstand injuries. And then also going against some of the other big boys, like in Alabama later that season, where you're not going to be, you're not going to be fresh in the fourth quarter of those games because of that. And so in the end, talent wins, depth wins, and a program like South Carolina, or as I just mentioned, Mississippi State, that's just not going to happen unless you have a magical run like TCU where you just have seven comeback victories and you've got this moxie about you and some veteran leadership to go along with, you know, a couple of superstars, but you just don't have the depth to really get it done in the end. Well, and I know that everybody is, is chasing chasing that superstar and uh, Florida did to shift gears a little bit. Uh, man, the, the Jaden Rashad, and I covered recruiting for a long time, and the, there were some cardinal sins. You don't pull a scholarship. Now, now all this has changed, but you wouldn't pull a scholarship from a player just because he didn't develop as much as senior year. You wouldn't boot a player off of your roster, which we know happens hourly, if <laughs> definitely daily. Um, those things weren't done because you would build this bad reputation. I think that's been replaced by what happened in Florida with Jaden Rashada. Kid shows up and you can't pay the dude. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm so hesitant to like talking to these collective uh, guys and everything. And I'm trying not to like talk down to any of them because they've got more money than I'll ever see in my life because they're successful <laughs> businessmen and women. But, you know, I talked to the Florida folks back when they started up that Gator Collective a year ago. And I kind of came away like, Sounds like they got their stuff together, but also I got questions about it because it's all like, well, we got all these people helping us with this, these lawyers, and they're volunteering doing this. And and then you start hearing things, and you just go, okay, this. how much of this is just uh, not really all coming together, people on the same page? And we saw the Jaden Rashada stuff. I mean, you know, I had to go back and look at, you know, what Miami had him, and then Florida swoops in and does that thing, and – I, that automatically was like, our automatic feeling was, whoa, Florida's got some money with these this Gator Collective, and then it just keeps going on and on, and you start hearing other stories, and you're going, something's just not adding up. And obviously the money wasn't adding up. Um, and then there's little things you got to look at, like for cracks in the foundation, like, you know, after those interviews I did where it's just like, yeah, we got all these people volunteering, and, I was like, how many people you got? Yeah, you know, and they just start. It sounds like, it almost sounds like you've got. You're just making up numbers, or you're 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 bloating numbers when you're talking about things. And then you look at. I hate saying this, but you look at little things like, like, an announcement graphic they put up on Twitter. Like, there's one recently that they put up that looks like it was made by an elementary school kid using. Microsoft Paint and a free trial version of Photoshop. I mean, if you can't put together like a really nice graphic for a six-figure deal or whatever you're doing with a star athlete on your football program, 
something wrong. Um, so I, I don't know. Listen, the good thing is, is that these kids are getting paid. I hope they're getting paid. Some of them aren't getting paid. Uh, and I'm not just talking about Florida. I'm not talking about elsewhere. This is not just a Florida thing. Florida is getting the under the microscope right now because it was such a huge deal, the $13 million deal. But there's kids all across the country that are not getting what they were promised, whether it's a small deal or, or a medium-range deal or whatever. So, um, But I just I think this is a story that kids and their agents and their representatives need to learn from that, hey, make sure you got this stuff in writing. Make sure it's ironclad before you start making decisions or just, you know, rescinding your uh, commitment to other schools. And, and even so, you know, make sure you got a, probably a good lawyer on retainer too, because sometimes they're going to try and skimp out on the deal. Wow. I, I get that. I want, I want Caleb to jump in here, but I was doing the best I could to pass Spanish too when I was 18, much less getting a lawyer on retainer. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, Hey, you better have, you better have some really great parents and a good system around you. And of course, these kids now, you know, even before all this, they, you know, you had the, we talk about the uncles. They were always kind of gravitating to the kid going, Hey, I'll help you out and I'll run things for you and help you make decisions. You just got to have good people around you to help you with that. Because I mean, these kids aren't the ones sitting there going, you know, Caleb Williams isn't sitting there going, he's got a business mind of going, okay, well, I've got you know, three lawyers in my life that I grew up with. Like, no, you're, you're 19, 20 years old. The smartest guy, you know, is, you know, maybe a junior in your, as you said, maybe your Spanish class there at USC. You got to have good people, good adults around you with, uh, you know, good heads on their shoulders. Uh, Brandon, uh, before I get to my question, I just want to contradict one thing you said, which is I don't I, I've covered enough boosters, particularly related to Tennessee, that I don't think being a rich, successful businessman always correlates to intelligence. <laughs> I know a lot of really <laughs> dumb, rich people. And, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I just wanted to throw that. I, I, I would actually venture to say the IQ of wealthy people might be lower than the IQ of middle class people and poor people in this country. I might actually throw the, the conglomerate. But <laughs> um Speaking of, uh, they were just lucky, but speaking of, um, speaking of, I want to turn something on its head because we were talking about programs you can never win a national championship, no matter how incompetent, I mean, no matter how competent they are, how good their coaches is, are. We're talking about Florida incompetence. Um, yesterday, we talked about LSU, I'm sure you saw, overpaying Brian Kelly a million dollars last year. And I've maintained for a while that the whole like LSU program has a combination of like four brain cells down there, but they still win national championships because of the talent level. Clearly Florida is run very incompetently and they've won national championships. What are some other programs where you don't need any brain cells at all from the coach to the top and you can still win? Ah, uh, there's not many. And, but having said that, I will say this everywhere I've been, there's incompetence at every single program, uh, whether it's an administration or the coaching staff that I haven't, you know, I've covered several programs up close for several years before doing what I'm doing now. And there's always like, there's always like one or two people you're just like, Oh my God, I don't want to talk to this person or you're <laughs> hearing stories about them and you're going, yeah, that sounds like them. You know, I always took the approach. So, I don't want to give so true. I don't, I don't. I don't want to give away like my secret, and I'm not trying to act like I'm smart. But the best thing I, I ever learned early in my career, is that as a reporter, just act dumb around 
everybody you encounter because one people like feeling smarter than others yep and they're also a little bit more willing to start talking to you the the dumber you are so i got that dumb look on my face all the time and i i, I just i i was i hit the genetic lottery and look at having that dumb look on my face so anyway but <laughs> That there's incompetence in every level of life, and especially in college athletics, because we're talking amateurism, and you have to add in some business sense into all this now. And it's it's always been like that to a certain extent. But you've got people who, especially coaches, that have no clue what they're doing, like zero idea what they're doing, and they are flying by the seat of their pants. And they're depending on the other people in the administration to tell them what to do. And here's the other problem with that. You start dealing with egos. Coaches don't like being told what to do. They don't. I mean, that's how the head coaches, the successful ones, they're at the big programs now. That's how they got to where they are. They didn't get there by listening to other people and having being told what to do. They went against all that and did it their way. And so then you give them these big seats, and then NIL comes along, and you're telling them, well, you need to do this and that. And it's just like, oh, so I need to handle this. So – I kind of feel bad, you know, for folks like Billy Napier at Florida. I think Billy Napier is a fantastic coach. I think he's a fantastic recruiter and developer of talent. And what he did at Louisiana, I mean, heck, the, the best kids he brought in his recruiting class this past year were the transfers he actually brought in from Louisiana. And that's a testament to what they did there and the development of players. It's just that he's run into an issue there where at Florida where everything's so much bigger. His support staff is humongous, and you're also asking him to almost be like a satellite CEO to these collectives that he has no control over and really no feedback to, like, push back against them. You know, the, the true the, – the idea – and this has been discussed some by people about this idea of what if a collective goes out and offers a kid all this money to come to X, Y, and Z school, and yet we don't really want them? Well – to be quite honest, that almost sounds like to let me talk to, to that jump, but to a certain extent, it sounds like it's what's going on in Florida. It's like, and Napier can't control that as much as he could or try. And so to try and like hit this on all on Billy Napier is very unfair. But again, that shows you like how complicated and how unprepared and untrained head coaches are for for what they are in charge of these days. You better have, as I mentioned with Caleb Williams and others, you better have a lot of smart adults around you that you can trust. And a lot of that is, is that a lot of that's just luck. You gotta, you gotta strike the lottery with that of being surrounded by good people. It's very difficult to do that. Even in the most successful and biggest companies and, and conglomerates, which that's what college football is now. Let me ask you one last question. You've been generous with your time and I want to, I don't want to keep you long but this, sometimes after caffeine i have like something that uh, i think's kind of insightful we'll see um i was just thinking of lsu and tennessee because we got in a discussion about the two schools um uh, a couple of days ago given the age factor given what the coaches have done if we're starting marcello state university and you're the athletic director and you could hire Brian Kelly, who I have great respect for. I think he's a fantastic coach. Or you can hire Josh Heifel that might give you some more years, might be a little bit more innovative. Who do you hire? Gosh. 
That's diff. That, man, that's difficult. I thought I, I had heard- a moment after my first Coke Zero this morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I like Dr. Pepper Zero. That's what I've been drinking. Um, I, I, I'd go with Hypel. Not just saying that because I'm on a show in Tennessee, but I go with Hypel because I, I just like excitement. I like a, like high scoring offenses, um, and also. Uh, he has the ability to recruit in what we've seen so far. Brian Kelly is kind of not necessarily old school, but he's a very good CEO coach. I mean, what he did at LSU this past year, he, he took over a roster. I think people forget this. that They had kids transferring out last in that October when Ed Orgeron announced that he was leaving. They had something like 14 kids leave the roster before the season was even over. And then they had more kids enter the transfer portal after that. And then when Brian Kelly got there, so he had to like fill all these little voids through the transfer portal. And he was able to do that, including a quarterback and obviously win the way they did. They still had a roster capable, capable of winning like nine games, but to actually do it in the midst of all that. And also a roster that was broken down mentally. A lot of the players and the coaches I talked to last off season about that is that, they had psychiatrists and people coming into that program because they were just all over the place mentally after everything that happened with Ed Orgeron. Wow. Really the last two years of the Ed O era there, because it was an absolute mess I'm told. And so for him to put that all together is a testament to him as a CEO, as much as it is as a coach with Josh Heupel. I don't know what kind of CEO he is. I think Josh Heupel Landed at Tennessee, and I think a lot of us on the outside looking in, we looked at Tennessee, and we're all like, a lot like we're talking about Florida right now. A lot of us kind of thought Tennessee was a joke with the way the administration had been in the past before Danny White and some of the other booster issues. But he came in there, and Heupel got in there at the one the right time with, again, the right people around him, including Danny White, someone who's obviously very familiar with at UCF. And they've restructured things, and you've got boosters there and others and professionals who are hungry to get that thing going. And NIL comes along right at the right time. They had their ducks in a row. And Heupel has benefited from that. And Tennessee has benefited from Heupel because of his amazing explosive offense and his development of quarterbacks. And I can't wait to see what Tennessee is going to look like, not this year, but in 2024 and 25 when he's got more pieces together all across that roster, but particularly defensively, when they've got a stronger defense to be able to contend in the trenches game and week after week after week. And this past year, I thought their defensive line was vastly underrated in what they were doing under Rodney Gardner. But anyway, long-winded answer. I'd hire Josh Heupel because I think long-term, I think we'd have a little bit more success and the potential to be really explosive and, 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 and win a national championship. Brian Kelly, I think, very well will probably – he might end up winning a national championship at LSU. But I see that as maybe like a six-year, seven-year thing for him at LSU. Heupel, I could see, you know, having a Fulmer-like stay there, which is very difficult to do. And I say Fulmer-like and not previous coaches because – that timetable is about what you're going to get as far as longevity in the SEC, unless your name is Nick Saban. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brandon, great stuff. Keep up the great work. We appreciate it. Anything you're working on moving forward that you, you want to tease forward a little bit? 
Um, well, I, I'm always updating our coaching carousel, trying to get scoops there and uh, compiling my database of all the moves there and looking and comparing what it looks like in the previous years and how that compares. We, we always complain about kids leaving for the transfer portal and like, oh, man, we're losing all these kids. But the coaching carousel, we look percentage-wise in context, you're losing more coaches year to year than ever before. And also more than you are in the transfer portal percentage wise. So we need more attention on the coaches and the comings and goings there more so than people complaining about kids leaving. That's a great point. Brandon, I appreciate the time, buddy. Have a fantastic uh, weekend and um, and enjoy the gym and all those weights. They're, they're great fun. (laughs) All right. Thanks Dave. Thanks Caleb. See you guys. See you buddy. Brandon Marcello 24 seven is appearance brought to you. In part by Viles Automotive Group. Viles Automotive Group on Callahan is the epicenter of car buying in the Knoxville area. They have a great selection. They have just a fantastic customer service, and they're going to make sure that you get what you need and you get it for the right price. Uh, And they have a service department that will make sure they fix your car, and they're not going to tack on a bunch of uh, extra stuff. So that is uh, what... Biles Automotive Group is all about. They are fantastic. I want to talk more about what uh, Brandon Marcello had to say, and Caleb Giroux will join us as we'll talk recruiting as well. It is a big junior day. You don't want to miss a moment. We will be back in just about two minutes. Don't forget Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han is phenomenal when it comes to eye care, and they've got the LASIK vision correction also cataracts, and they're local. That just doesn't happen at other places. They're flying doctors in from Tampa and all over the place, and you have doctors right there in Knoxville that care about you there that are embedded in the community. Back in two minutes off the Explorers. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. 
and finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Here we go. Welcome back. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. We're joined by Caleb Giroux, who covers recruiting for OffTheHookSports.com. Go to OffTheHookSports.com for the latest uh, coverage. And this uh, update on Tennessee football recruiting is brought to you by Zach England, a best of Brock. Zach England, a personal injury attorney in the Chattanooga area that can go toe-to-toe with the insurance company's attorneys. And he's going to win, and he's going to make sure – you get what you deserve, and that is Zach England. Best of Brock, Zach England. Zach's got your back. Caleb Giroux, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are y'all? I'm well. Um, so, wanted to throw this in because you also cover uh, the Lady Balls. And um, before we get to the recruiting list, uh, which is uh, strong to quite strong in Tennessee's Junior Day, and we want everybody to hit the thumbs up button, like it, bring more people in to the show um your thoughts on the lady balls last night i mean the the same kelly harper kept talking about how this team is not there yet and how uconn is on a different level so i really i wrote it this morning but i think the roles are reversed so the first time gino ariyama played pat summit 1995 pat summit had won i think three or four national championships at that point and she was like, Tennessee was the team to beat. And Gino was trying to become that team. And they ended up beating Tennessee in 95 and winning the championship and going on to have 11 championships. And now it's almost like Kelly Harper is trying to get Tennessee back into that upper echelon of women's basketball. And Gino and UConn are the team to beat now. And, I mean, UConn came in the game first in the nation in shooting percentage, shooting over 50%. And they shot above that average – against Tennessee, and yes, UConn didn't miss, and I think shooting above 50% in an empty gym is probably good, but Tennessee just didn't close out. Aaliyah Edwards would stand at the top of the keyhole all night, and nobody would close out on her, and she'd just knock down mid-range shots all night. And it's stuff like that that's going to kill this team in the end. Turnovers, and just they don't – sometimes it doesn't. there's a disconnect somewhere on defense, and it always throws off somebody else in the rotation because there's a – if there's a disconnect on the wing, then somebody's open in the corner, and it just never works. And when you play schools like a UConn or LSU on Monday night or South Carolina coming up in February, if there's a disconnect or if somebody's left open, like, you can't – they're going to knock down the shot at this point. At that level of basketball, that shot's going to get hit. So you no longer get bailed by playing little schools. Because when you leave – no offense to UT Chattanooga, but if you leave a, 
an athlete from UT Chattanooga open in the corner, they might not hit that shot because that's just not that upper level of basketball. But these mistakes are getting – whenever they play ranked teams, these little mistakes become bigger because you can't get away with it. There's no leeway. A little mistake all of a sudden turns into a UConn 7-0 run and seven points were all off of turnovers. So it's just little things like that that are going to kill them in the end, and it's already cost them seven games this season. It has. Let's talk a little bit of Cruton as Tennessee will bring in a big junior day. Uh, Talking Cruton brought to you by Big Orange Phillies. Big Orange Phillies, uh, Maynardville uh, Highway. It is very easy to find, and uh, just Google Big Orange Phillies if you have any trouble, but you want to make sure you do that because Big Orange Phillies, will uh, be your home for sports, and uh, there happens to be some football still to be played this weekend. Uh, it'd be a great place to go for the Super Bowl as well. Great food, family-friendly. They've got the darts. They've got billiards. They've got cornhole. You'll love it. Karaoke. And uh, that's Big Orange Chili's close to Maynardville and also close to North Knoxville. So, uh, Caleb, give us a, a, a rundown of, of who's going to be in town. What kind of – and I know – it's impossible to say how many people are going to show up because people show up at the last moment, that sort of thing. But how big of a weekend do you think this is for Tennessee in a time that used to be dedicated to securing your current year's class because of signing day in February. And now is really about laying the foundation for the following class, which would be 2024. Yeah. I don't think this junior day will be as big as the first one that saw guys like Ryan Wingo and Boo Carter and guys that Tennessee really wants come to campus. But I think this is probably equally as important for some of the guys they're going after. Just maybe not for the fact that they're going to get these athletes, but the fact that they're competing against bigger schools and showing that in these recruiting battles, people are taking them seriously. So I think the biggest name on campus this weekend will be Jarrett Gibson. He's a five-star running back out of IMG Academy in Florida, and he's the number – 10 uh, prospect in the country and I'm, I'm young so I haven't I mean you've probably read a lot more scouting reports than me but it, I've never seen Andrew Ivins of 24-7 sports I've never seen this before the first line in his scouting report is the real deal period and I so that's I mean this kid's legit he runs an 11-33-100 and I mean they're projecting him to be a first round draft pick once he leaves college and he's just a guy that if you get him, he could probably impact your team as a freshman. And then another five-star coming in is Bryce uh, Bryce Young. He's a five-star edge rusher. He's a guy that Tennessee's going to have to beat Notre Dame out for. He's leaning Notre Dame. It's really no secret. And Tennessee's getting in late. So I think that's a very good sign for Josh Heifel. They offered Bryce Young in the middle of December. And, I mean, less than a month later, he's coming on campus for a junior day. So, obviously, when people – it's kind of like how you see with Dion. When people get that offer from Tennessee, it's no longer like, oh, they were six and seven. Why would I want to go visit Knoxville? Everybody's considering Tennessee the same way you see now. Every time Dion offers somebody, it's almost like instant consideration for Colorado. So, it's like apples to oranges, but still the point is Tennessee has now put themselves on the national stage last season to where these kids who probably don't remember the last time Tennessee was good – are considering the balls again. And then the third five-star that's probably good to watch is uh, Cameron Frankel. Cameron Franklin, excuse me, he's a defensive lineman. He's coming off Arkansas and Miami visits, and he's the number 24 prospect nationally and the number one guy out of Mississippi. So 
for these five-star guys, Tennessee's prospects may not be the best, but it's just a matter of the fact that they're coming to campus. And Franklin's been all over. He, he went to Arkansas. He just came back from Miami. So he's going around and making his round. So that's probably the three biggest names to watch out for this weekend. If there's somebody in particular that you have a question about, post it on the message board and we'll address those. Uh, but you mentioned Colorado, and I was going to go there. So I'm already seeing, and I don't cover it as closely as, as you do, but I, I already see that Tennessee prospects and everybody's prospects, when they get an offer from Colorado, they're, they're automatically interested. Some have made the trip there, um, and I'm just, I'm just curious the – the ripples that you're seeing through that hiring, which is two time zones away, but has made an awful, awful lot of news. Well, you look at Dion's hiring and like you, you usually these schools in their first year don't draw a big name talent. Usually they'll get, you know, mid ranked guys, three stars, maybe a couple, four stars have a winning season. And then all of a sudden next year they um, start drawing in, big names and Dion it's immediate that he's already getting kids and you know, like it's almost even if Alabama offers somebody it doesn't draw the social media traffic that a Colorado offer does like Boo Carter received an offer from Colorado a big Tennessee target and he included Colorado in his top schools and it's almost that's every that's what everybody's talking about is is Dion Sanders going to come into Tennessee and take a guy that's basically in the Vols backyard that should be a guy you want to get. So it's crazy to see that Colorado is drawing national attention, social media buzz, and it's like instant credibility. Anytime a kid gets an offer from Colorado, they are instantly interested in their – and it seems like Colorado is in everybody's top schools, which before that wouldn't happen. And it's before they – sometimes it's even before they make a visit to Colorado. It's just the aura and playing for Deion Sanders. Uh, Jaro, I want to jump in and move over to the uh, transfer portal a little bit because uh, a couple of newsworthy things. Um, you had a great piece on uh, on uh, Ole Miss transfer, and I have so much trouble pronouncing his last name, but Davison Igbenosa, and he was a freshman All-American. Um, when you wrote the article, we thought Tennessee was a long shot. It doesn't seem like they're a long shot anymore. As a matter of fact, uh, Michael Bratton, um, of a host of that SEC podcast, uh, says that it's that says that he's actually going to commit to Tennessee. What do you hear about that? I wouldn't go that far, but I have seen the thing with these. It's kind of with the transfer portal guys. It's kind of weird. So Tennessee's ad drop deadline for classes is Monday. Well, if you go on the student directory and you type in his name, he's in the directory, which means he's been accepted to Tennessee. So. Obviously, he's considering Tennessee because I have a feeling he probably wouldn't go through the process to get accepted to the school if he wasn't. And I don't think the ad drop deadline plays a role, but I've seen a lot of buzz saying that we'll likely get a decision this weekend. And he was recently in L.A., so I'm not really sure where that comes in because I've heard that the big ones, Lane Kiffin is still trying to keep him in Ole Miss, and their NIL collective, the day before he entered the transfer portal, uh, the Grove Collective, which is the NI, or Ole Miss's NIL group signed him to a deal with the hopes of keeping him in Oxford. And it's, it's a toss up because a lot of people are saying he's going to commit this weekend because he wants to get in school and wants to get in practice. But you're also waiting to see where Ole Miss's former defensive coordinator is going to end up. Cause from what I've been told and what I've read, they were super, super tight. Like 
he he didn't go to Ole Miss because of Lane Kiffin. He went to Ole Miss because Chris uh, Partridge was there, and like they were always super close and talking to each other, and that was like his main guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if he came to Tennessee, but I'm not ready to go all in and say, yeah, he's a, the Vols are a favorite to land him because there's still there's so much going on, and the transfer portal was super weird because there's no nobody talks about it. There's no buzz. Like he'll post in L.A. one day, and that's like all you get. There's no. Twitter posts or like with high school guys, you usually know where they're at and who they're visiting and what they're saying. But with transfer portal guys, everything happens so quick. It could be the drop of a hat and he's a volunteer. Um, Arthur had a question about, were, were you going to ask more about Iganobi? Um, I, I was going to ask about one more transfer. Go uh, for it. I guess it's probably maybe Walter. Yes. I was going to see, is the Walter Nolan thing a troll or is it legit? For those who don't know, Walter Nolan had an Instagram story up yesterday that said portal looking good right now, but it's past the transfer portal deadline. And his teammate said he was trolling in that Instagram story. I couldn't access when I tried to click on it. So what do you think? <laughs> I have no idea when he was, when he was in high school, I remember people telling me that while he was on his visit to Tennessee, he was telling everybody in the box that he'd never put orange on and he'd never go to Tennessee. So it, I, it's a toss-up. I don't think – obviously, he can't enter the portal until the end of the spring semester. But from a Texas A&M perspective, keeping Walter Nolan was a big statement for Jimbo Fisher and where his program is at. So, obviously, Texas A&M lost transfers. But you look at guys, you wanted to keep a guy like Walter Nolan, a freshman who you know is probably going to play down the road because that shows that there's some longevity there. And, I mean, I don't know. You see this with almost like – pro athletes where they tweet about other teams or they're looking for stuff to kind of like leverage their contract. And I mean, in college, it's becoming more and more like professional sports where guys are leveraging contracts and getting paid. And you see contracts falling through, like with Florida, almost like you look at like Carlos Correa, where he couldn't get a contract and couldn't pass a physical stuff like that, that the sports are coming more and more alike. And I almost wonder if he's doing it like that because then he also, get social media attention and he gets attention like us talking about it right now. So it might be something like that for people. Cause I remember when he was in Knoxville, he was like the guy everybody talked about. So I wonder if it's maybe something like that, but I wouldn't, I don't think he's going to enter the transfer portal. His fan, his brothers played at Powell high school in Knoxville. And one day when they showed up to summer camp, his brothers were gone because his whole family had moved to college station. So I don't know if they're going to move back. Yeah, I'd, I get the feeling that the Powell High School, and, and by the way, I have a Ph.D., Powell High Diploma. And um, so I, I can give you – I had to go through three years of PMS to get it, Powell Middle School. Um, <laughs> but uh, – Booker went through PMS. Sorry, I just – too many jokes there. Thank you. I'm going to hell. Yeah, with that, with that, with that aside – I never got the inclination from anybody at Powell that he was going to go to Tennessee or even even gave Tennessee a strong look. So I don't have any inclination to think that he just because he could potentially leave A&M that he would uh, come to Tennessee. There are there are a couple of posts I want to address on our message board that I don't think necessarily were about Nolan may have been about somebody else that he is an attention grabber. That wasn't the term that was used, but that's what I'm going to use. That he was an attention grabber. And the other was that um, he was a cash grab. Now, used to be when guys would put this stuff out, I would say, you're just looking for attention. Goodness gracious, did, did your parents not love you enough? And nowadays, I'm like, well, you know, 
it's not the worst idea to throw your name out there and see if a Lincoln Riley or somebody else comes calling and saying there's a $5 million payday waiting for you. So I, I don't look at it as negatively as I did before <laughs> if he's just flirting on social media. Yeah, I got no problem with it either. I, if he's trying to increase his pay, I mean, Dave, you talked about it. Coaches did that all the time in the 90s, right? Didn't Fulmer float his name as a potential line coach in the NFL for contract leverage all the time? Back in the day? Weekly. Yeah. Weekly. And we well, know about, we know Lane Kiffin teasing the Auburn job to get a raise at Ole Miss. So, yeah. I, I, Jim, coaches, or, like, Jim Harbaugh does it every year. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh does it every single year. <laughs> Yeah, he, he reaches out to NFL teams that say, uh, we're not really interested. We're good. Um, the the, uh, the Lane Kiffin thing, I was told that the, what was floated out there is, and I, I think I've said this to you, uh, Calhoun, but I'm not sure I said it to Jaru, is um, the, the thing that his camp floated out there is that he didn't want to make the move and he turned the Auburn job down because – of his uh, his kids wanted to stay in Oxford. Okay. I don't blame the kids. <laughs> okay. So, listen, first of all, a coach at that level has never made a decision based off his family. Making the decision to get into college football coaching is bad for your family from the get. Okay? All right? There are rare examples, maybe a Dabo Sweeney where he goes home at 6 o'clock and he's in <laughs> family but that's rare okay most of the guys are sleeping in the office and, and that sort of thing and they move around at will so that wasn't going to happen in particular lane kiffin is going to go wherever he wants to go and he's not going to ask knox or any of his other children if they like oxford or Auburn more and and even adding to that knox would say dad go to where you're Career will best benefit you. Knox is like that old. And eventually Knox, and that's this is when I will really feel old. Knox will be a starting quarterback for Lane Kiffin. So <laughs> at that point, that's when I feel just elderly and I'm going to buy Kane whether or not I need it. But uh, bouncing around on a couple of different things, I'm, I'm glad I have uh, both of you guys on because uh, it was two day, two years ago to this day that uh, one Josh Heupel was named as the head coach at the University of Tennessee. And this conversation brought to you by Vassy Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Industrial commercial mowers and residential that are within an easy drive of Knoxville, Nashville, Chattanooga, and Cleveland. Vassy Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. So, guys, I ask you both this. What was your initial reaction when Josh Heupel was hired two years ago today? Jairo, you want to start? Oh, yeah. I was disappointed. I uh, I thought it was he was gonna be like another Butch or Derek Dooley because I watched his UCF team claim national championships and I watched them play LSU in the Fiesta Bowl and I thought he got out coached then by Ed Ogeron, and which is just not what you want. But obviously hindsight is twenty twenty and I was wrong. But it's always one of those things where you look at programs in the SEC and you always wonder. Because I feel like a lot of the fan base shared that sentiment, too, where it's like, who is this guy? Why did we not – we're Tennessee. Why didn't we get a big-name coach? And they did it, I guess, three times during the stretch of the 2010s where just the football was terrible in Knoxville. So, obviously, I was wrong, which is good for Tennessee football. But, I mean, he's really changed the trajectory of this program, and especially in a time where it's 
I guess, easier to turn a program quickly, Hypo has done it. So you really can't gripe about it. And so I'd like to hear your y'all's initial thoughts. But I, uh, I shared the sentiment that they should have got a bigger name. So I was a little uh, covering Tennessee for all for Tennessee. It was a little underwhelming, um, even though I knew Tennessee was probably not going to get a big name at the time because people forget the program was on fire. And if you're a high profile coach, why would you have gone to Tennessee? Similar to Dave, remember how many people turned down the Tennessee job after Kiffin bolted? Like Dooley was like their 18th choice. <laughs> and um, I, I, I think that was happening there. I will say the Two thoughts. I was cheering for Tony Elliott. I was wrong. I was wrong. I think Josh Heibel's a better coach than Tony Elliott. Um, but when he did get hired, I will say, I said, this could potentially work. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people that pretends I got something right ahead of time. I actually have receipts. You can see my article that I wrote at the time. I said, there's five reasons this hire could work out. Didn't say it would. Didn't know it would. Certainly didn't think Tennessee would be beating Alabama by year two. Um, but I... It was a letdown, but I wasn't as upset with uh, Danny White as a lot of other people were. A few media members, we don't have to name them, were very, very, very critical of the hire and have been proven insanely wrong. <laughs> well, I, I agree. So with a lot of that, the big names, I mean, what were the big names that were out there at the time? Would it have been Brian Kelly once again? No, the names that people were floating were, and I'm not kidding you on this, the favorite candidate was Hugh Freeze. They wanted Tennessee was under investigation and they wanted Hugh Freeze to be their head coach. And um, then wasn't wasn't that the time when they were burning stuff because they didn't want Shiano? That was that was no, that was twenty seventeen. That was twenty seventeen. Uh, see, I'm getting my coaching searches confused because they were terrible every time. Well, they were like an annual <laughs> they were an annual tradition. <laughs> yeah, so, basically. Uh, I, here were my thoughts on the, the hire. Two things that stood out immediately. I thought it's very smart to go get an offensive mind in this day and age of college football, much like I thought Jeremy Pruitt was just a doofus hire. And uh, for the opposite reason. And then the other thing I, I thought he is not going to be able to recruit against the savings of the smarts of the world. Now, NIL has been a Band-Aid on that. But I still don't think he walks in and wins a lot of battles against Alabama and Georgia. However, I will say this two years later, I think it's possible. Had you asked me two years ago, I would have said it's, he's never going to win those battles. Ever, ever, ever. Now I think that it's very doable and that it's possible. So that's kind of where I've changed. But I thought the offensive mind part of it was a big, big deal. Because college football is so slanted, even more than the NBA to offense nowadays. I mean, it's so slanted towards the offense that I don't understand why you wouldn't go in that route if you're hiring a coach. Brian Kelly would kind of be an exception because I think he does everything really, really well. Uh, Caleb and I both, Calhoun and I both like uh, Brian Kelly. But I, I, I didn't think he would be able to recruit, and I thought he would be very similar to Butch Jones in that he would Tennessee to about – eight or nine wins each and every season, but never get them to that 10 and beyond plateau. Obviously, I was wrong. So hit the thumbs up button. Again, you need to go to offthehooksports.com and check out the coverage that we'll have on recruiting all weekend. Uh, could Tennessee pick up a player or two? Very possible. Uh, Caleb Giroux will be all over that. Uh, I I'm going to write a column about the SEC teams that just can't 
can't make it. They're not going to win national titles uh, no matter what. And uh, also, so a lot coming up at Jimmy Himes with a couple of articles uh, from his uh, conversation he had recently with Danny White discussing the Jaden Rashada issue at Florida, which was a train wreck that you hope Tennessee never goes through if you're a Tennessee fan. And um, a, a couple of other interesting tidbits from an interview with Danny White that uh, Jimmy had on WNML. So there's a lot going on. Hit that like button right now so that helps us bring more viewers in. We're with you weekdays at 10 o'clock Eastern time, and we want you to be a part of the program. Portions of the program brought to you by Guardian Investment Advisors, GIAplantoday.com. GIAplantoday.com video teleconferencing allows you to work with the best, and they are that. Guardian Investment Advisors, absolutely phenomenal. You will love them, and they'll tell you where your money's going and why it's going there. All right, guys. Uh, lastly, picks on the conference championship games this weekend. We officially go on the record. I got the Cowboys missing 15 extra points. Even though they're not playing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think somewhere, somewhere Brett Moore is in – uh, a training facility missing extra points. Dave, you know that what happened last Sunday is not Brett Maher's fault, right? Even if he makes no, no, it, no, it's totally it, Brett Maher's fault. They no, Dak Prescott doesn't know how to read a read coverage, and he throws into double coverage. Dak Prescott didn't play well, but they passed on a field goal because they didn't trust him, and he missed an extra point, and it was a four point game. But nevertheless, <laughs> who you got this weekend? I got San Francisco, and mm-hmm. I've got Kansas City. Niners, Bengals. I can't can't pick against Joe Burrow. Never. He's Man, a gamer. I, yeah, I really like Joe Burrow. I don't think he does anything incredibly well. I think he does everything very well. And yeah. maybe he's a nine on a scouting report, but somehow he shows up as like a nine point seven five with a composite. So I, I I'm going to take the Bengals. I hate the two teams I hate most are San Francisco and Philadelphia. So I'm going to take the officials in that game. I'm going to go <laughs> the, the stripes. Yeah. And, and lastly, there was a re-ranking on two, four, seven, uh, their composite. So where did that put Nico since on three politically moved him up to number one? Yeah. So I wanted to talk about this little, I wanted to talk about this a little bit today. So Nico ended up number two in the 24, seven rankings, which I think is still a respectable position for your top recruit in your class to get the number two guy. But more importantly, I wanted to focus on the team rankings. So obviously for the 23 class, it was kind of set already, but Alabama pulled in nine five-star prospects with the finalizing of the rankings and on three and everything. So of all those sites, they pulled in nine five-star prospects, and then Georgia was second and Texas was third. And between those two schools, they had nine five-star prospects. So I'd like to hear y'all's thoughts on this. I think probably the worst thing – that could have happened this year for teams trying to be on the come up was Saban having a rough season. Cause from what I've heard, Saban hasn't been home since the season ended. He's just been, and usually in his, he's in his early seventies and Alabama has no coordinators. So he's been doing all this, he's been on the road doing all this recruiting and he's been hitting the 24 class hard. And I mean, for the number one class in the class of 2023 have nine, five-star prospects. And I think the average rating was almost 95 out of, it goes up to 0.95 out of one. I mean, and he's recruiting harder for this class. So I can't imagine we're talking about recruiting battles. I can't imagine who Alabama is going to get this next cycle. No. And in the end, I'll say this Calhoun that I still would rather have two classes worth of really, really good 
high school prospects, the four and five star guys, then I would uh, have to scramble each and every year in the transfer portal. And that's what Alabama and Georgia have. Um, and to some extent, you could say possibly Texas. They've had a couple of great recruiting classes back to back. I believe Ohio State is in that position. Um, just for, for a quick rundown, Oklahoma is number five. So let's just go down. Alabama one, Georgia two, Texas three, Ohio State four, Oklahoma five, LSU is six, Miami is seven, and Tennessee comes in at number eight. So I think that's a slight improvement. I think they were 10. So all in all, um, I think that you would rather have that base of talent to draw from. And um, I think Calhoun, that Tennessee is building that it just takes time. Yeah. And I mean, they still are not out of the woods with the NCAA investigation hasn't been cleared yet. And they're getting top 10 classes. The other thing with Tennessee, they all, you know, y'all, it, 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 this is a, a cliche tale as old as time X's and O's versus Jimmy's and Joe's, but like, Okay, Tennessee's top 10. Okay, they're not top five, but they're top 10. But of every one of those coaches that's on every, at every other school, would you trust any of them to have a game plan better than Josh Heupel would have? Who would you trust? Which one of those coaches, would you, outside of Brian Kelly, maybe, would you trust for a game plan for a one game over Josh Heupel? No, I think they're right up there. Yeah. So, you know, you get a top 10 class and probably the best X's and O's guy in college football right now maybe enough to stay competitive with those other schools. Again, they're eighth in the country. They're fourth in the SEC, though, and they're sixth in what's about to be the SEC. That's just that's just insane to talk about. And really, uh, for National Signing Day coming up on February 1st, Tennessee doesn't have any prospects to watch, but the rankings are going to jump up and down because a lot of the guys still available are to the schools that are hovering in that 8, 9, 10, 11 range. Obviously, Georgia is in the mix for, like, Deuce Robinson and players like that, but I don't think Georgia's kind of stuck where they are. They can't go up because they're not picking up five five-star kids on National Signing Day. So, they're probably solidified it, too. But really, the only thing for Tennessee fans, I would say, to watch on National Signing Day is how the rankings change. And you talked about – because I think Tennessee was 10, and when on three dropped their new rankings, Tennessee got boosted up to eight when it all balanced out in the composite. Well, I was I was told by somebody in Tennessee's administration that don't be surprised if they don't sign one guy on signing day, which is insane to me because I remember years where they signed 32 and you're chasing 32 kids on signing day. And uh, so just don't be surprised if, if that happens. Sam said the most out of step rankings were the ESPN rankings. Uh, that's something I, I can hopefully provide a little bit of insight. I would like to address. So when I worked at ESPN, there, there were. You know, they dove into recruiting and that was the idea and that didn't work out real well. So you had, I thought better ratings of guys that were in their top three to 400 on their radar. And they have an ESPN 300. I thought that they were former players and former coaches that did a really good job of rating those guys. Um, now I think they're probably spread a little bit thin I will tell you this. I think there is zero politics. I think with all recruiting services right now, there are politics. The biggest sites on your network are going to get boosts in, in their recruiting rankings because you're going to say, and Nico's a prime example, you're going to say, well, Nico apparently had a great first half of January. I don't know what the hell he did, but um, he apparently had a great first week of January, so let's boost him up to number one. So, th I mean, that's the benefit. The, the local network of on three and two, four, seven is going to do their thing for their best sites and their biggest sites. 
So I guess what I'm telling you is that I don't think ESPN has enough manpower, but I also will tell you this. I think ESPN is probably the most neutral of the groups. I don't think at the end of the day, the tail wags the dog. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, Gus? Yeah, it's probably not the best business move, funny enough, but I guess you, I guess you could. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think ESPN, uh, their rank, I, I think the best way to put it is these recruiting sites are focused on recruiting. So ESPN's main focus is not recruiting. So you're going to see Nico, I think he's like number 46 or something crazy. And really, they just don't update it. Like you saw Nico have a good senior year and like he slowly climbed these rankings, whether it be politics or just good play. But I don't think ESPN updates them as often. Well, and I'm sure, too, with the recruiting sites, again, talking about a business model, their idea is to re-rank all of these guys um, in January when people are talking about recruiting. Now, that may change because the recruiting calendar has changed so much, but I think people are thinking about recruiting right now, and what they're doing is they're they're re-ranking these guys to create a little bit more buzz because it's January. That would be my thoughts. Because there's nothing that Nico did since November – I don't know why you can't have monthly re-rankings. I mean, and maybe that happens one day. Goodness gracious, that'll be a lot to keep track of. Arthur says, Nico and Joe, dual threat, two-way starters would benefit Tennessee. They both have, uh, they're both great, but different dynamics. I'm I'm just going to go on record. I've said it. I've written it. I think Nico is your starter by October. I think Heibel's still too biased to Joe. I think Nico should be. I think Joe finished. I think Joe starts this year, but I think Nico will be the greatest quarterback in Tennessee history when it's all said and done, including above Peyton Manning. You heard it here first. Well, now if he's going to be the greatest ever, then he's going to start by a second month. No, Tim Tebow didn't start his whole yeah. first year at Florida. Job Brooks, help me here. You can't be the greatest in history. I, I mean, field. If he's the greatest in history, he's leaving his junior year. So I don't know if two seasons. He might break Peyton Manning's career record in two seasons. Oh my God. <laughs> that might be my, my big thing is whoever starts, I don't think you should do a two quarterback system because no. there's always so many issues with it. And no. so if there's a starter, if, if Joe, if Hypo thinks Joe is the starter in August, then let Joe be the starter until he isn't. Don't have Nico come in in the second and Joe play the third and Nico come back in the fourth because you run into issues and it's just, you can't do that. It doesn't work. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what's going to happen. He's going to come in against some of those lower-rated opponents in September. Nico is because the score's out of hand, and he's going to play a lot. That might have been the spot you would put Taven Jackson in, who's now at Indiana. But now Nico's going to come in, and people are going to fall in love with him. Just wait. I mean, people talk about how far Joe Milton throws the football and everything. The problem is it takes the better part of half an hour for it to get out of his hand. (laughs) I mean, so the ball comes out of Nico's hand like it's a grenade and he needs to get rid of it before it blows up in the pocket. I mean, he just – when I look at them both, it's another level. I've been wrong before. By the way, all three of us thought Tennessee would beat South Carolina. So I I, I need Jaru to – Jaru, when you get some – you're a little young. um, Go to YouTube, though. Just do this because this happened. 1997, Google Florida, Florida State on YouTube, Spurrier's finest coaching moment. He didn't just alternate quarterbacks on the series. He alternated them every play. 
Every other play, he had a different quarterback take a snap, and Florida beat Florida State doing that that day. Travis, I do not hate Joe Milton. I think Tennessee, <laughs> I think Tennessee is a team, team with Joe Milton. I like Joe Milton. I just think that Nico's special, and I think that Joe Milton has some limitation. I, if the deep ball doesn't connect, and Calhoun brought this number up, if it doesn't connect 30% of the time at least – then this offense is not what it's designed to be because then that stretches the field. So you stretch horizontally and vertically. So listen, if he's hitting three out of 10 on the deep balls, which maybe he needs to hit more because they're running bare because of the scheme, um, then everything's fine. Everything's cool. Nobody's leaving, but nobody's getting benched. But listen, and, and people are going to come, and I'm ready for this. People are going to come at me after spring and into August, and they might even call Joe Milton the starter, but it's so that Joe Milton doesn't transfer. Telling you. Smoking out red, don't do Ja Rule like that. Don't refer to Ja Rule as Ja Rule. Come on. That is the worst rapper in the history of man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, strangely enough, I was at the gym yesterday, and I think uh, somebody accidentally worked in an Easy E song. That was inappropriate for everyone there. Easy E had some of the funniest lyrics, though. Back in NWA, and I'm like, you know, I'm sitting here looking at my son, making sure that he has his headphones on because I don't want him hearing any of that. And then right after that, it was Cypress Hill. So I guess the thought was just everybody gets stoned when you're done working out. (laughs) Have a fantastic day, everyone. For Jaru Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hooks Boys. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.